Good morning. I want to thank the worship team for leading us to the throne of grace. Let's pray before we look into God's word. Father, we thank you for our gathering here this morning. I thank you for every person here and all who belong to this church and for your church throughout this community and worldwide. Lord, we thank you that you have shown us the truth and you have given us the way to go and to follow, to know you. And now we pray, Lord, as we look into your word, that you would open our eyes to the truth there so that we can become better followers of you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know, as those who have turned to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we are told not to place our top affections on the things of this world. We are told not to spend all of our time seeking the treasures of this present earth. Not to adopt the earthly values that we see the world constantly pursuing, spending all of their time and money and energy trying to get more and more of. And you know, we all know that. We know that the Bible teaches us that. But then, you know, as we leave the church building and we live our daily lives and we see so many earthly treasures out there everywhere we turn, so many things that would be nice to have, and our American culture is so wealthy, so abundant, it's nearly impossible not to be bombarded with these attractive, enticing, earthly niceties, things that we could use. <clears throat> I've said this before, but when we were down in Dallas, I'd walk through the mall, and I'd see something in a, wall, a mall window there, and I thought, I need that. We'd go back months later, and I'd see it again, I thought... I thought I said I needed that. I'd forgotten about it. So there was a need that I totally forgot about. So we have this truth from God's word that tells us not to be taken in by temporary pleasure or value of things. Not to make those things the most important things of our lives, what we plan our lives around. But you know, everywhere we turn are these earthly attractions, especially in our society, in our culture today. And they're placed in front of us, you know, with billboards and internet and phones and stores and commercials. And we know these are temporary, but they are constantly in front of us, begging us to take them home. But now as we make our way through the book of Revelation, which tells us about this present age and how it's going to end, this passage today can help us shift our focus so that these battles of what we want and what we think we need and that sort of thing may not be so overwhelming if we take this to heart today. Now we've come a long way through the book of Revelation and we have seen in the book of Revelation so many things, but we've seen the glorious majesty of God as he sits on his throne in the throne room of heaven. We've seen the, the glorious brilliance 
and bravery and authority of Jesus Christ, who is the slain Lamb of God, even as John saw him in, in a vision as he's in heaven, he sees him as the slain Lamb of God because that's who Jesus is, the one who died for us and gave his life for us. And then in Revelation, we've seen judgments from God poured out on the earth against those who will not turn to him and keep rejecting him. We have seen Satan and his band of evil angels thrown out of heaven, the Bible says, hurled to the earth. And it said that Satan was furious and he was going to go after God's people because he knows his time is short. And even forming this, this, his own trinity, this false trinity, a counterfeit, unholy trinity he forms in order to trap people, in order to get them to follow what they, we know they shouldn't follow or we shouldn't follow. And then we heard that those <clears throat> on the earth at that point, and we're talking about the future, but we're reading it in a vision, were forced to worship the beast who is the Antichrist or they face death. But now we're moving closer to what will happen at the end of this age in, the, in our book of Revelation. And we're going to be in chapter 17 this morning. Chapter 17 and 18 tell us of the downfall of one of the key, most powerful opponents of God and his people. So, looking at the first two verses of chapter 17 of the book of Revelation, it says, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, remember we had, we had seals, trumpets, bowls, all series of judgments, and this is one of the angels that had one of the seven bowls. <clears throat> he came and said to me, come, I will show you, he's talking to John the Apostle. Come, I will show you the, the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. So this angel is going to show John the Apostle this very powerful, very influential enemy of God, a major, major enemy of God. And she's sitting there, as he sees her, as a prostitute who has committed adultery with the kings of the earth, the most powerful of the earth. And it said that the inhabitants of the earth, just your people who live on the earth, were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Of course, this is all symbolic. But what it's telling us is that she is very enticing. She draws many people into her immorality and her wickedness. She's called a prostitute sitting by many waters. That means her immoral, adulterous influence has affected many nations. So she has this widespread influence over people on the earth and of course we're looking into the future so we can see that this prostitute is a major major enemy of God who takes people down a road completely opposite the way God wants us to go 
And she leads many powerful earthly rulers into sin. All of this against the ways of God. And this is the way it's going to be going as we move towards the end of time. Now, <clears throat> I want to read a little bit more at this point. Next few verses, 3 through the beginning of 6. It says, Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. So the angel, you know, in the spirit means it's not a physical thing, but he's taken John into this, you know, this spiritual journey to a place, you know, wilderness means out away from everybody, so that she, that this angel can tell John what he needs to tell him. Let's see if I got this right here. Okay. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. This is what John is seeing. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. Let's see if I got that right. The name, this thing goes two, so I got to make sure I got it right here. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. That's what she's identified as. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people. She was getting drunk off the death of God's holy people. The blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. A lot of information there. The angel is taking John in the spirit. You know, it's a, it's a vision thing. To a wilderness, a secluded place, where he can show John what he needs to show him in order to get God's message to him. And they see a woman sitting on a scarlet beast covered with blasphemous names. Now, when you think of scarlet beast, that's kind of a reddish color, right? And earlier, in another chapter, we saw the red dragon, who was Satan. The red dragon stood by the sea and waiting for the beast to come out of the sea, which became the Antichrist. So she's sitting, <clears throat> uh, standing, she's, she sees the scarlet beast covered with blasphemous names. And these are names, you know, blasphemy is to slander God, is to speak against God and say things about him that are untrue and that, that, that. Uh, insult him and attacks his character. The seven heads and the ten horns are going to be explained to John as we go further in the passage, so we'll leave those go for the moment. But look at now, at, again at verse 4. She was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls, she held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. 
And the name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. <clears throat> As we listen to this again, her clothes show her to be incredibly wealthy. And you have this golden cup filled with abominable things. And it says the filth of her adulteries show her to be incredibly immoral, wicked. And then verse 5 says, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. Babylon was a name used whenever, well, it was often used in Bible times to name a wicked city because Babylon was so wicked back in the days when they came in and conquered Judea and Jerusalem and took them all out. You know, Nebuchadnezzar and the kings that followed him. They were known for their extreme wickedness. And Babylon was a place that they would call a name. <clears throat> they would use that name to call a place that opposed God and God's goodness. And at this time, <clears throat> as John is writing this, the, the time that he lived in was a time of the Roman Empire. And all uh, commentators agree that they're talking about Rome. And Rome became this magnificent empire that just controlled so much of the world. So we're talking about the city of Rome. And <clears throat> verse 6 said, I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. So not only immoral, but against God and persecuting God's people. He said, when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. So not only a city of wealth and immorality, but a city of persecution against God's people. And so what we're seeing here as we put the book together, we're talking about Satan's plan and his work to oppose God. And he's using this, this immoral woman. He's teaming up with this prominent city of wealth and luxury, Rome, the heart of the great Roman Empire, and he invites people to join in, this is Satan, invites people to join in on the glitter, the glamour, and the wealth. And he replaces the true God with his false trinity. And the people are joining in, satisfying their earthly lusts and their desires, and the way that it's set up they're even thinking that they're, they're kind of religious in doing this. So they're buying into the, to the you know, wealth. They're buying into the degradation. They're buying into the immorality. And they're saying that they're people who follow God. He's got this holy trinity, this unholy trinity, this counterfeit trinity there. So let's continue when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman of the beast she the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was 
now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. That is the anti, that, well, that is Satan's counterfeit for Jesus Christ, who is the Antichrist. And you know, Jesus once was, then died, then was not, and then rose. His counterfeit Antichrist is going to go through that where he has a, uh, one of his heads is, uh, he's murdered, he dies, and then he rises again to life to imitate what Jesus did. And it fools the world. Once was, now is not, and yet will come up, but this one will come out of the abyss. And Jesus came out of the grave. This one will come out of the abyss. And it will go to its destruction. That's what John is being told. <clears throat> so John's response, as he's, as he's watching this, he's be, it's, <clears throat> it's being explained to him. Satan is setting up this resurrected false Christ, who is the beast, the dragon dragon's beast that came out of the sea the beast that came out of the land was the one like the holy spirit who who put all the attention to the beast the first beast and those on earth do not know the true god or they've chosen not to turn to the true god but they're attracted to all of this wealth and immorality and degradation and babylon as the great prostitute Rome. And when they see this false Christ come back to life after a mortal wound, they are sold. This is their savior. And they don't have to give up anything. And they can go for all the riches and the immorality that they want. And here they are serving God. This is Satan's generous offer to them where they can feel religious but not have to give up any of their earthly desires or riches or immorality, or popularity. They can be so worldly and so chasing after everything to serve themselves, and they're religious too. And you know what kind of person falls for this, this trap of Satan's? I mean, this is what's going to happen. It's people who do not want to commit to the God of the Bible, to the true God. People who do not want to turn away from the lifestyle that they are enjoying, the power that they have, the, the pathway that they're on. They don't want to give up what they have. And so, it, to them, it's like, look what I will have to give up if I go to Christ. But here in Babylon, I don't have to give up anything. I can have it all. And you know, so many people go for that. And so many people will go for that at the end of the age. And now the angel continues to explain to John. The, excuse me, the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. They are also seven kings. Five have fallen, 
One is, the other has not yet come. They're talking about different rulers ruling over this, this uh, city. But when he does come, he must remain for only a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven, and he is going to his destruction. So, the seven heads of the beast represent seven hills on which the woman, this great prostitute, or Babylon, and we, we, we know it's Rome, sits. The city of Rome began as a network of seven hill settlements on the east bank of the Tiber River. So it fits perfectly with this description. Roman writers referred to Rome as a city on seven hills. That was the designation used commonly. And the seven also refers to seven kings or rulers of Rome. They had several emperors or kings or whatever during, depending on what time it was. The beast or the antichrist who once was and now is not will be the eighth king. He is the one headed for destruction. And in verse 8 it says, he comes up out of the abyss. But the angel tells John, but he's going to his destruction. Now look at verses 12 through 14. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. So the beast and the kings are working together. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will wage war against the lamb. But the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. This right here takes us right up to the end. Where Christ conquers the Antichrist. When he comes from heaven with his faithful followers. And he wipes out the enemy. It takes us all the way to the end here. Now, sometimes these, the way that the Bible presents things or these writers can be a bit difficult to follow because biblical authors did not always write step by step like we think of. You know, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Sometimes they'll take a theme and run it through the time frame. Uh, then they'll go back and take another theme and run it through the time frame. So it takes a little bit of discernment, parsing out to find out what happened exactly when. One gospel writer may put all the parables together while another would put them right where they happened. So it's that sort of thing. But now let's look at verses 15 through 18 to see these strange turn of events. And this is our, these are our last verses. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So this prostitute, which is, you know, Babylon, Rome, it has this wide, wide influence over many nations and peoples. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So they teamed up 
But then the beast turns on Babylon or Rome or all that, that drop that drew people in. And the reason is, for God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over the beast, hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. That means God is using their evil and, and, and steering them in a way that fulfills, fulfill his purposes. Not that he creates evil, <clears throat> but he uses people as they are engaged in evil. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. So we have this great prostitute, which is the end time city of sin, which is going to draw in people from all over the world to take part in all of this glory, this earthly glory. And people will come and they'll worship the beast because the beast will impress everyone by overcoming a mortal wound. And people will come to engage in all kinds of immorality and wealth and tell themselves that they're really good religious people because of the beast. They will revel in all of their earthly desires and abominations, telling themselves that they are living to honor God. This is the way we honor God. And isn't that what we see today? Don't we see people going far away from God and then calling it good and saying, this is really the way to honor God. And if you don't agree with me, you're a hater. You see how they just turn it completely opposite? They take something completely wrong. They repackage it. They give it a new name that sounds, takes away the bad sounding, makes it sound kind of nice, like you're being nice to somebody. <clears throat> they even remold it into something that is really kind and holy or virtuous or saying, yeah, this is the way we praise God. And that really is the sinfulness of the heart of mankind. And really, you know, we could all be there without Christ. That's just human nature. Human nature just goes toward the wrong. But because of Christ, he's changed us and given us a new nature. But here we have the beast turning against the prostitute and destroying her. That is what sinful rulers do. They use people to gain power. They build them up. They make them feel like they're being treated, taken care of. They're being loved. They're being uh, provided for. And when they need to move them out of the picture, they're gone. That's how it works. That's how evil works. And it's just like here, like it is all over the place, all through history, all through human history, people without God. And it says here that God is going to use that wickedness and allow the beast to go so far until God's words are fulfilled. So God knows a lot of what we're seeing here is the, the sovereignty of God. He doesn't promote evil. He doesn't create evil. 
He just p- lets people go so far, and he puts them, he's, he's like the puppet master, and they destroy themselves. And <clears throat> when it is time to bring it all to an end, then God will make his move. And, you know, we are getting closer and closer to that, aren't we? I mean, of course, that's been happening all the way through time, but it looks like we're getting closer than we've ever seen. But, you know, we have been compared to Babylon by some people, our, our culture, because it is so wealthy. Because we, and, and that's so hard to resist, you know, when everything is just right there in front of you. Everything can make your life so much easier. And not that good things are bad. Not that all good things are bad. But, you know, we started out as a nation that tried to honor God with our government. And they built our government in order to protect the rights of people. And freedom was a big, big part of our early nation because they came away from a place that didn't have that much freedom. And over time, we've lost a lot of that original mindset. So we don't want to be taking it, taken in as Christians by false piety or valuing riches over God or thinking we're something because we have so much, you know, of what our culture offers. So we... It's easy to be taken that way, isn't it? Because it's so enticing and it's so helpful. And some of those things, they aren't bad. But it's where we're starting to put all of our, you know, all of our desires and all of our time. And that's why we need to stay in the Word of God, isn't it? I mean, it's so tempting, all the stuff that we can see. And you just walk anywhere, like into a, Uh, a store and you just see endless rows of everything you could want and that's why we need to stay in God's word it it keeps us tuned in to what's right that's why we need to stay in fellowship to stay in prayer to continue acts of love helping others to find the truth to be others centered not to go down the the pathway of selfishness, to walk in the ways of the Lord, resisting falsehoods, not allow a false system to move our hearts away from God, keeping our spiritual senses fine-tuned. We see today how Satan has turned so many people to embrace absolute nonsense Things that we just know are just absolute nonsense and people are just reveling in them. Calling us phobic. And they think they're acting in love. So our answer is to stay with the scriptures. The scriptures have always been true to God and they always will. And then we as a church, God's people, we will come out victorious if we stay with God's word, God's truth. We will be victorious. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you have for us.
in your word. We thank you that we can even look into the future and see how things are going to go. And we thank you that you are warning us ahead of time. And we pray that you would give us strength, courage, steadfastness, uh, faithfulness, Lord. Help us. And we pray, Lord, that we might be a help to others. Our church, other churches, helps to others so that others may escape the enticements of, of Rome. We pray for your help, Lord, in all we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.